Um, Farah Nayeri from the New York Times. I had a question, same question for Quentin and Margot. Um, Quentin, you have put Margot Robbie, a, a very talented actress, um, actor, in your film. She was in the Leonardo, with Leonardo in Wolf of Wall Street. I, Tanya, this is a, you know, person with a great deal of acting talent, and yet you haven't really given her many lines in the movie. And I wondered, I guess that was a deliberate choice on your part, and I just wanted to know why that was, that we don't hear her actually speaking very much. And uh, Margo, I wanted you to also comment about being in the film in this part. Well, I just reject your hypotheses. Time has come. Catherine Bigelow! This and some of the other nice things that have happened to me in the last couple of days may turn me into some sort of hopeful optimist and ruin my whole life. Spoil? <laughs> Did he spoil me? No. I remember quite clearly it was 1946 and I was four years old and my mother took me to see King Vidor's Duel in the Sun. You gotta say, I'm a human being! God damn it! My life has value! Babel, Alejandro Gonzalez Iñárritu. I'm a man! Well, nobody's perfect. <laughs> Al film italiano Deserto Rosso di Michelangelo. It's just that all men are sure it never happened to them, and most women at one time or another have done it, so you do the math. Three artists in the presentation of the Palm d'Or. Adele, Leia, and Abdel, 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 Hi everybody, welcome to the Filmotomy podcast, this is episode 73, and on this podcast we're going to be uh, discussing Quentin Tarantino. If you haven't really heard of uh, what's been going on this week with Quentin Tarantino, um, he's he's become under, I guess he's gone under fire really uh, for his sort of uh, answer at um, a press conference in the Cannes Film Festival over a certain question. So um, we're really using that to, as a sort of a, a springboard into Quentin Tarantino as a director and just how his general attitude is towards female um, characters and uh, actresses. So joining me, I've got three new people, which is great. So uh, joining me first is Jeff. How are you? I'm I'm fine, thanks, Billy. Thank you very much for inviting me to the show. Uh, so I'm one of the At The Flicks podcast team. Um, the three of us, we do a magazine-type show, and um, some of the things we're really proud of that we've done recently, a huge piece on Stroud's secret suffragist, uh, Margaret Hills, a documentary film that we managed to speak to a lot of people behind the scenes. So, yeah, good stuff coming. That's great. Who would like to go next? Hi, so I'll go? Yeah, of course. All right, cool. 
so I am Pallavi. I am engineer by the day, and in my free time, I love talking about movies. As a major Tarantino fan, I was I'm like really excited for this discourse, and I have a blog on WordPress. It's called The Gal Who Rants, and I occasionally also write for Filmotomy. And last but uh, but not least, um, who else is joining us? Hi, my name is uh, Hardiel Pinto, and I am the owner of a small distribution company called Pulp Serial. I have my own website, and we just launched a. Uh, a uh, channel on Amazon Fire TV. And you're all from different time zones, so I, I just <laughs> want to say a huge thank you for joining me. The recent thing with Tarantino has been a very interesting and eye-opening experience. So I don't know whether everybody knows that he's got a film out. <laughs> <I feel like. laughs> there are some people who don't, uh, but he's He's got um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is um, had its premiere at Cannes Film Festival. And for for me, um, I'm really looking forward to it because that's part of my childhood. I mean, we're talking about 1969. Mm. You know, I was nine years old then. So you got that whole and and looking at the trailers for the film, that buzz, that Rowan and Martin's laughing. That's an old comedy show for those that don't know that. Um, expanse of america and hollywood looks great um so so that part of it i'm, I'm quite in, quite excited to see how he captures that era yeah uh, me personally i'm really excited because first of all it's tarantino <laughs> second of all i am actually excited by the actors of it all like this leonardo dicaprio brad pitt and margot robbie in the same movie that's like enough of a reason to hype me up. <laughs> so, I don't even need to think about the premise too much. It's just like three amazing actors. Uh, and uh, both Brad Pitt and uh, DiCaprio have previously worked with Tarantino in some great projects. So I'm excited to see how the collaboration of all three of them together works. Yeah, I, I am probably in the same sort of boat, really. I'm hyped for this film. Uh, I love Margot Robbie. She's just like one of my favorite actresses. I think she's superb in every film that she does. And, you know, I've been watching her sort of her career. Uh, even in a film like Suicide Squad, I think she she's she is really good. <laughs> that film is I mean, terrible. that movie was horrible, but the, she was good. Yes, yes. She, she made it watchable. <laughs> to some extent. Yeah. It's a, it, yeah, she's she's really good, but um, apparently she doesn't have very many lines of dialogue in yeah. Tarantino's film, which was the, um, a question that was proposed to to Tarantino was uh, first. But, of, yeah, I was oh, just yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry, but yeah, I was going to say, is that a problem? I mean, Tarantino wrote the script. He had, you know, the people then looked at the parts they were offered to play, and I assume that knowing Tarantino, he doesn't edit that much out. Although I understand the first cut of this film was four hours, um, but but the fact is, they were the lines that he wrote for that character. It wasn't as if you say, okay, I've got an A-list to star. Now I must increase the amount of lines. That's the bit that I find strange in the question. Before we get to Tarantino's. Um, attitude to that. Mm. That's a very good point. Um, anyone want to sort of react to that, or um... 
I one word answer like Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> <laughs> so I have something to say on this because I I have been thinking about it. Like uh, first of all, I have to mention that Margot Robbie was really graceful in her aspect of the answer. Right after mm. Tarantino's response, Margot Robbie uh, she came uh, like she contributed her answer, and her answer was very graceful, and she understood what the journalist was trying to imply. and she was very smart in handling the entire situation so we have to commend her for that first yes, of all yeah, right yeah, before we get started on to the whole aspect of it yeah as I, far as uh, yeah sure continue so, sorry i was only going to say the key word in what you said there is graceful mm-hmm. and margo yeah. robbie was totally graceful in the way she responded she responded yeah as far as the question goes i i personally didn't think it was intended to be an attack towards tarantino in general i am more perceived it as a question related to maybe female characters in films in general right hmm. that is a, a female characters not getting enough screen time is not an issue which is restricted to tarantino so i mean the feminist or the anti feminist discourse which is which is being created here i did not think that was intended that was the purpose of the question at least in this uh, in the way that it was intended it took a different point of view but i thought it was a fair question and an important one did did you not think though that if you look at the everybody on that stage bef- before that question was asked they all looked fairly annoyed now can press conferences aren't the most intellectual out there mm-hmm. uh, and i just wonder whether things had happened beforehand which had upset people and this just threw petrol on the fire uh, that is a possibility but i mean the way the whole thing turned into this major drama which i didn't think it was warranted but the kind of fire at least from uh, like uh, what i realized was there's a large number of anti feminists which are using tarantino's response to attack that particular journalist that she was stupid in her question which i don't think was the case it was a good question and if you think about it i mean none of us have seen the movie but if you think about it this movie is ultimately about sharon tate right so why is she i mean if you think about it technically she should be the one getting a larger amount of screen time i mean i have, i mean there could be a justifiable reason for not being it being that way but i mean it is a valid question to some extent at least okay well yep. i'm sorry i'm sorry to argue on this one um no no but, sure yeah but you say it's about sharon tate now everything i've read on the film and i get i appreciate i haven't seen it sharon tate is not a major character it's supposed to be you know these guys just happen to be in the house next door oh, where the tate yeah. murders are so that's that's a problem i i i will just say um questions prior to the one that was asked i've researched into it and one of the questions was um whether quentin tarantino had any hesitation over depicting real life figures um you know sharon tate um mm. He actually gave um, a really a even more blunt answer and just said no to that question. <laughs> okay. Um. Hello. Uh, my question goes to uh, Tarantino. Uh, I would like to ask. I would like to ask you. Uh, do you hesitate a little bit uh, before you start the reconstruction of uh, the story? Uh, the story of uh, real people. Uh, the tragic story. Uh, is it a difficult choice for you or not? Thank you. Um, no. 
Great. <laughs> Sweet and simple. Go ahead. Another question which was asked was whether um, whether these films, uh, it was kind of like a general sort of statement about his use of violence towards women in, in films, yeah. which he responded with um, uh, he wouldn't address that question. Okay. All right. So how okay. how do we feel about that? I, I feel that those questions are not, and those answers are not really being talked about. But, but, but what you said, Debbie, is a far more serious question about his attitude to women in films as opposed to does this character have enough lines? Uh, yeah. I, I think that, yeah, no, I'll go away and have a look at that later on as well. But that is really serious because, and, and this is the crux of the conversation you've got here, is I, I do think he's misogynistic. And it's been casual to start off with in films like Pulp Fiction, when Bruce Willis gives the line out about punching the woman in the stomach, to the treatment jennifer jason lee in the hateful eight hateful yeah which was bordered on the sadistic i mean it is the most problematic i think personally it's the most problematic of all tarantino films with the exception of reservoir dog which does not even have a female character yeah yeah no that's fair but, yeah so it's just like violence in tarantino films is something that definitely needs to be discussed like I was looking about, like, as you mentioned, Hateful Eight. So there's this article, there's this really interesting article I found regarding this. So it's this article uh, on the Roger Ebert website by, I'm guessing, what's the name? Yeah, uh, it's by um, Laura Bogart. And she points, uh, the article is titled, Hipster Misogyny, The Betrayal of Hateful Eight. Where she points out how the entire, the amount of violence in Hateful Eight at one point, it just becomes absolutely redundant. Of all the eight characters, the character of Daisy is treated the worst, and she is the most powerless of the eight characters, to some extent. I mean, she is the villainess, but still, on a physical level, she is the least powerful of all the characters, and she is subjected to the maximum amount of violence. I, I think you're absolutely right. And do you remember that scene in the beginning where she just casually punched in the face in the beginning in the stage show. <laughs> she becomes the punchback of that movie. Absolutely. <laughs> and there's this one particular line which I really liked uh, in that particular article where she says, even if Tarantino wasn't trying to make ex expressly feminist films, he still showed attention and empathy towards his characters, something which he failed to do in Hateful Eight. Yeah. yeah. And I thought it was really re relevant to the topic we were talking about here, right? Oh, absolutely! You make a really good point. Yeah, yeah. I have to. Um, I have to agree because Hateful Eight is my least favorite Tarantino movie. I remember being really upset when I left the theater just because it, it just wasn't very good. And then, yeah, him hurting Jennifer Jason Leigh the entire movie was really kind of disturbing. Um, I also don't like how women are treated in Death Proof as well. I think that's also one of his worst movies. But Death Proof is an, another film which I think is quite an interesting one to to discuss um, because I've only seen it the once and is that the, the film with um, Kurt Russell? Kurt Russell, yeah. Yeah, um, and he's a stunt driver? Stunt yeah. driver, stroke serial killer. <laughs> 
Wow. Uh, yeah, no, I can understand why I've only seen it once now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's supposed. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm oh, sorry. It's supposed to be like a slasher movie, so most of the characters in that movie that- are female. <laughs> and um, when I watched it with my sister, we rented it from Blockbuster when it was on DVD like years ago. And I remember watching it with my sister, and she just looked at me, and she said, this is not how women talk to each other at all. <laughs> so uh, maybe that's the reason why he's left. He's not put so much dialogue in for Margot, Margot Robbie, is because he can't <laughs> write dialogue for women. I actually don't think that's the case. I mean, I personally thought, at least, uh, I mean, not all of his movies, but I personally liked his uh, writing of uh, Shoshana's character in Inglorious Bastards. Mm. That, I think, was a fairly good character. Like, it's a good female character. I mean, she ultimately dies, and she's brutally killed, and it's really upsetting to sit through, but I thought she was one of the better characters of, you know, Tarantino's film, female characters in Tarantino's filmography. Uh, have you seen Jackie Brown? I haven't seen Jackie Brown. That's the, the Jackie Brown and Death Proof are the two films that I haven't seen. Yeah, Death Death Proof, have you said? Yeah, it's not, not. But Jackie Brown is interesting because it not only is the title a, a, a female character's name, but it is based around that character. She is the strongest one uh, all of right. all his films. This is the slight. This is the one that's slightly different, and you know his take on the Elmore Leonard novel. I think is really clever. So yeah, he, he's uh, a very great storyteller he is he is there's no doubt about it his cinematic visionary is something I mean as much as it includes a lot of fountains of blood and gore but there's no denying that he's a visionary in his own right I think you'll. I think Jackie Brown is good the only problem and, and thinking again on the theme that we're picking up with here what happens to Bridget Fonda's character during the course of the film you know that that is meant to be funny, but that also is misogynistic. Get out of here, what do you think? Another bag. Fuck you, I can carry it. I'm gonna be the bag. What, you gonna rip that fucking bag? Knock it a fuck off. Okay, okay, take it. Jesus, what's wrong with I'm you? I'm carrying the bag. Yeah, right, you got it. Just take a chill pill for Christ's sake. Fuck you with a chill pill. Remember where we came in? No, that's towards Sears. Where the f- Which way? Which way? Jesus. But if you two aren't the biggest pair of fuck-ups I've ever met in my entire life, how did you ever rob a bank? Hey, when you robbed banks, did you have to look for your car then, too? No wonder you went to jail. Is it this aisle, Louis? Is it? Louis? Louis? Is it this aisle or is it the next one up? You sure? Yeah, I'm sure. You're positive? Don't seem sure to me. Hey, don't say... Don't say anything else, okay? Keep your mouth shut. Well, I mean, don't say one fucking word, okay? Okay, Lewis. 
but the Jackie Brown character is great, and it's just a shame that he doesn't write more characters like that. Um, uh, yes, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry, I was just going to say, um, I've also seen Jackie Brown, and I, I agree that the Pam Greer character is very well written, but um, it's, I don't think we can credit that to Tarantino, obviously, because it's based on a book, so that's really more... Yeah, due to that's the course. Yeah, you make a fair point. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, really, in terms of his reaction to the question... Um, where he his statement was, I reject your hypothesis. Hypothesis. Yes, yeah. Um, how do we do we feel like maybe he could have handled that a bit better? He, he, he unfortunately just typical is typical Tarantino. <laughs> he's, he's just a very arrogant man. And I think, you know, what other filmmaker counts down his films? I'm only going to make 10 films. This is the ninth film from Quentin Tarantino. Who else does that? And, <laughs> and what's worth tracking down, which I think you can find on YouTube, he had an interview on our Channel 4 News mm. a few years ago with Christian Gurren Murphy. And Christian is a big Tarantino fan. And he was just trying to get to the heart of some of the violence issues in the films. And the way Tarantino turned on him is disgraceful. But why are you so sure that there's no link between enjoying movie violence and enjoying real violence? I don't, I, well, I'm going to tell you why I'm so sure. Don't, don't ask me a question like that. I'm not going to, I'm not biting. I refuse your question. Why? Because I refuse your question. I'm not your slave and you're not my master. You I can't just, make me dance to your tune. I, I I'm, not, ever, I'm not a monkey. I I'm can't not, make you answer anything. I'm just, it, I'm well, asking and, you interesting and, questions. And I'm saying, and I'm saying I refuse. Okay, well, no, I was just asking you why. That's fine. Um, but you see, Jamie Foxx has said... We can't turn our back and say that violence in films. Well, then you should talk to Jamie Fox. Do, you, then you should talk to Jamie Fox about that. And I think he's actually here, so you can. I'd, I'd love to, but I mean, I, you know, it's interesting that you have a different view, and I'm just trying to explore that. Yeah, and I don't want to, because well, I mean, I'm here to sell my movie. This is a commercial for the movie. Make no mistake. Well, you and I, yeah, so, yeah. This so is, you don't want to talk about anything serious. I don't want to talk about what you want to talk about. I don't want to talk about the implications of violence. I, I, I haven't wanted, I've been, because you know, the reason I don't want to talk about it because I've said everything I have to say about it. If anyone cares what I have to say about it, they can Google me and they can look for 20 years what I have to say about it. I haven't changed my, my, cho- my, my opinion one iota. No, but you, you, haven't, you haven't fleshed it out. That, that, that's I, the only I, it, reason. It's not my job to flesh it out. No, it's my, it's my so, job to try and ask you to. And that's I'm all, shutting you know? your butt down. And that's, that's entirely <laughs> your role. This your, is a your, commercial your from my movie. No, I know, but it's my job to try and explore some serious themes as well. I'm sure. Uh, well, uh, I, I, you know. I, I, I invite you to explore some serious themes, but not things that I have already been on the record for talking but about. Vi- well, violence is such a big part of your, all of your movies, and it's, you know, and it's, it's an enjoyable part of your movies for so many people. And that, that's why I'm talking about this, because, you know, it's a very sensitive time at the moment. I mean, the vice president is talking to people in the movie industry today mm-hmm. about violence and response And you know to the, where I stand on it. Which, which is that there's no relationship. And yes. But you haven't said why you think there's no relationship. It's none of your damn it. business what I think about that. Yes. Oh. <laughs> yes. And that's exactly at the heart. Like, personally, I thought that's exactly at the heart of this entire thing, right? It's not about Tarantino being a feminist or an anti-feminist, right? It's essentially about Tarantino being an absolutely arrogant filmmaker. Okay. Yes. The reason it turned into a feminist versus anti-feminist uh, discourse is just because of the fact that Tarantino said it. 
So when Tarantino said it on an international platform, the anti-feminists took it as some sort of validation that now Tarantino has shut down a feminist. So uh, he is validating our hatred towards feminists. And the feminists took it as, uh, you know, you, you saw that headline which said Tarantino snapped at the reporter which was not nowhere near to his actual reaction to the comment. He just, he was very calm all throughout. He was arrogant, but he was very calm. Yeah. So the, the problem here is not his own, uh, you know, it's not about what he said, more like it's him, Quentin Tarantino, who said it, which is actually the reason for all that uh, drama that is being stirred up about how people are perceiving it. Yeah, to spin it to their own agenda. I've seen a lot of reaction videos on YouTube where it is... Oh, me too. Yeah, Quentin Tarantino. Um, Shuts down a feminist. Down, <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I just really felt like, oh, that that's not really what... <laughs> that's not what the... <laughs> talk about fake news. <laughs> <laughs> so he could have handled it better. But that would would have been possible if he had actually thought about the gravity of the question. I don't think he did. He was just very, you know, in the flow of the panel, he just reacted to it. That's what how how I saw it. Hmm. Yeah, I I think, and pardon my language, I think he was a dick in the way he answered it, in the way that then (laughs) Margot Robbie... I was trying to avoid using that word. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm too old to be subtle, I'm afraid. And... uh, (laughs) And I, I, I just think the way that, you know, Margot Robbie, and uh, as you said earlier, just was so graceful in the way she answered it. And, and that was his job to do. But, you know, she is, by all accounts, a really nice person in real life as well. So, yeah, so, yeah, it, it's, it's just a shame that it's almost like he's, you know, I'm going to be the bad boy of the Hollywood filmmaking fraternity. I'm sure he's loving these headlines. Mm. <laughs> He's a bit of a attention seeker. <laughs> and I mean, this is not the first time he has caught on fire about something like this. So, I mean... Yeah. Like, yeah, accustomed to it. Yeah, I, I, uh, I just want to say I, I agree with um, everything that's been said so far. Uh, he does definitely have a history of not playing very nice with the press. And it is kind of being blown out of proportion. And um, uh, obviously, Marco Robbie answered it so well because I feel like I think it's kind of funny that a lot of people forget that she's not just an actress. Like, if you look at her IMDb, she has produced like eleven different projects, so she is a producer as well. And I think she answered that question like a producer would. I always look to the character and what the character is supposed to serve to the story. Um, I. I think the moments that I got on screen gave an opportunity to honour Sharon and the lightness. I don't think it was intended to delve deeper than, like Brad also mentioned, I think the tragedy ultimately was the loss of innocence and to really show those wonderful sides of her I think could be adequately done without speaking. Um, I did feel like I got a lot of time to explore the character even without dialogue specifically which is an interesting thing because I often do look to the interaction with other characters to inform me on the character um rarely do I get an opportunity to spend so much time on my own as a character going through a day-to-day um existence 
that was actually an interesting thing for me to do as an actor. I actually really appreciated the exercise and uh, felt that I could deliver what I wanted to on screen. And um, you could tell definitely that, you know, if, if anybody remembers in Tarantino's first few movies, uh, Lawrence Bender produced a lot of his movies and they're not working together anymore. So he doesn't really have a producer that can rein him in like he used to. Yeah. Yeah. That is such a good point. And that's one thing that really bugs me with these auteurs, uh, certainly in America, that come up and get rid of the producers. I've seen it with David Lynch, Woody Allen to a certain extent, and definitely Quentin Tarantino. Tarantino. All right. And let's take another example. Let's look at Kill Bill. Now, we can look at the incident off camera, but if you look at the villains in Kill Bill, the women are treated, you know, they are out-and-out evil. But the David Carradine character of Bill, he's almost reverentially treated. He is given layers. He is a much more layered character than the female villains. Absolutely. Compare him to Daryl Hannah. I mean, she's barking mad. (laughs) And this, this whole thing that he's got, you know, always filming in on women's feet. It, it's just uncomfortable on occasion. It's talk. weird fetish, and every film doesn't need to have it. No, I <laughs> Yeah, this is true. I forgot about that. Now you brought that up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I have to, I'm going to have to have a drink after this just to get it back out of my mind. <laughs> so... Uh, I have to say something here because like uh, for this podcast uh, in the afternoon today I watched uh, Kill Bill 1 right Yeah. because like that is like the most usually considered to be the most feminist Tarantino film right mm. like whenever you try to say that Quentin Tarantino is a misogynist people will come at you with no he's made films like Kill Bill and Jackie Brown so he can't be a misogynist right mm. so I thought Okay, let's give, because I hadn't seen Kill Bill. I had heard about it a lot. So I gave it, I went through the movie today. And as much as I agree to the fact that all the female characters in that movie are totally badass, I did not think, I mean, at the end of the day, do you guys agree that at the end of the day, it does come down to being like a rape revenge slash, uh, uh, you know, the typical genre of hell hath no fury, like a woman scorned kind of a stereotype? because almost all the characters, all the female characters, if you leave out the first character, the Vernetta Green character, all the other female characters in the film, uh, if you take from Uri, Shin, that character, and Beatrix, these characters are all fueled by some sort of violent act committed towards them by men. Hmm. That's, that's a, I hadn't thought of it in, that, in those terms. Is that what I think it is? You didn't think it was going to be that easy, did you? You know, for a second there? Yeah, I kind of did. Silly rabbit. Tricks are for kids. Would that, would that encourage you to watch part two, or are you going to give up after part one? I might watch part two, but I am not. I mean, like, 
uh, I'm not too excited about it. I enjoyed part one, and the action is undeniably a lot of. It's like really <laughs> engrossing, but uh, I mean maybe it. I mean it's not exactly a feminist symbol, at least not how I see feminism. I completely agree with to you. Be. You know, the women didn't, don't need to be violent to be strong feminist icons. It's kind of like it's trying to, you know, there are people who perpetrate different kinds of violence towards women. And at the end of the day, the messaging of the Kill Bill movies turns out to be that if you perpetrate violence against women, they might actually turn out to be stronger than they originally were and they may become better people because of the violence you committed towards them. Which is very problematic. Which is very problematic. We uh, we've touched upon this before in a previous podcast was how do we define strong female characters? Too often that we we seem to f- define strength in terms of a physical attribute rather than you know showing women who who are strong, emotional intelligence and, and uh, determination and and you know that type of strength. I think he defines female characters through violence and through revenge so many of them seem to to want revenge even in um when we're talking about death proof ultimately it's a a tale about revenge by a woman who's been abused by this guy Uh, the way i see it like i mean i'm not sure of how his writing process works but from whatever i've heard the general like the general uh, idea around his writing of his characters is like most of those char- uh, at least quite a few of his characters female characters are written in a very genderless form mm. right yes uh, like people try to justify the treatment of uh, uh, daisy's character in hateful eight by saying that if she was a male character we would have absolutely no problems with the way she was treated in the film that's a, that's a good point but But actually, that's not the case. No, I'm I'm just thinking it through now because of all the characters in the film, you know, by the end of it, she was almost being tortured. And, yeah, the way that she was hung, uh, yeah, it was very, very uncomfortable viewing. And, I mean, at the end of the day, it is about how all these characters are marginalizing the weakest of the group. So, I mean, it is problematic whether it's a male or a female character. But, uh, and even the character of Beatrix Kiddo, I personally thought, I mean, the way she's portrayed also, her yellow suit and uh, every, like almost all the colors around her are yellow. And yellow is usually the androgynous color, right? So, her character, it can be sort of interpreted in a genderless form. Because as uh, as much as her story is motivated by the whole uh, killing of her child and husband, None of her attributes, actually, her gender has not not much to do with the entire plot. Like, her fighting skills are not in any way impacted by her gender. At least, that's how I saw it. (laughs) So, so how do we apply that rule to the Uma Thurman character in Pulp Fiction? Oh, no, she's a... No, that she is... She is a proper female character who I think is well thought out as a female character. But I was thinking about it in terms of the, you know, uh, or like the Shoshana character in Inglorious Bastards. It could be a male character and nothing in that entire story would change apart from that uh, a little bit here and there. Okay. 
the the only thing I'm thinking of, and I'd have to go check this out because I haven't got anything in front of me to look at. My understanding is Tarantino co-wrote Pulp Fiction, and I yes, wonder whether the right. other yeah whether the other writer wrote those sequences. Possibly. I I I feel like yeah, it's it's problematic, and I think that Tarantino um, should have been. I I feel like the the question was justified, and he should have. It it would have been nice if he had maybe gone into some explanation as to why that was the case. You know, like like we say, she's not Sharon Tate's not the main focus of this film. Um, so it would have been nice for him to go into that and say why and how this is uh, a hyper real real sort of fantasy of those events and everything. But instead, he just de- basically declined to even make a comment about it. So, like, uh, some one of the reviewers for the movie wrote it somewhere that he Tarantino has uh, kind of di- dialed down on his gore. I mean, after Hateful Eight, I'm guessing anything will be less gorier than that. But <laughs> I mean, it's difficult to dial up on gore after that. But that is true. Yeah. At one point, he was going to do the Star Trek film. Can you imagine what he could do with that, with the gore and the <laughs> But I actually, you know, there's this one thing which I just realized. The way he deals with violence, on the one hand, it's absolutely cartoonish, and the gore is too much. On the other hand, it actually kind of helps the process of films, you know, because they are so unrealistically gory that I, I am very easily able to remove myself from the narrative. Because there's literal fl- fountains of blood, so I can't take it seriously at any point. That's true. You, you, you need to tell that to my wife. She walks out every time I put a Tarantino film on. <laughs> uh, I've learned a lot from this, so thank you very much for sharing your opinions. And looking at female characters in Tarantino films in the future, for what few he's got left, I will look at it in a completely different way. But the genderless comment, really hit me and I'll need to go back and have a look at some of those films on that so thank you for that it's um yeah give me a big insight yeah I uh, definitely being on this podcast made me think about it more especially because I did watch Kill Bill Volume 1 uh, earlier this week again and I didn't enjoy it as much as I did the first time I watched it about 10 years ago um it is kind of funny that the female characters that are written best like from Pulp Fiction, like from Jackie Brown, are based off other works. Because what a lot of people don't realize is the movie Pulp Fiction obviously was based on Pulp Fiction stories and Pulp Fiction-type characters that had been written for, you know, over half a century at that point. You would know that being called Pulp Serial. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I had a great time. And I just want to add one more thing, because we almost went through all all of his films, we left out Django Unchained. Oh, yeah. So I just want to add a little point about Django Unchained, which I thought was one of the worst female characters. I mean, it's not a bad character, and Kerry Washington is a great actress. But I mean, she's a literal damsel in distress, who has to be saved by a guy who comes on a horse. I mean, who arrives on a horse. I mean, I mean how more archaic can you get? <laughs> Yeah. I, so that is like in and of itself it just I mean we have to think of it as problematic to feminism. Very 
<laughs> to, to be honest, I think Django Unchained is problematic to Australians with the worst Australian accent I've ever heard in cinema. <laughs> it is problematic to a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm shutting you down. As always, listeners, you can find our Filmotomy podcast on your um, podcast app of choice, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, we're on SoundCloud, and you can always head over to filmotomy.com for some great content. Uh, so you can find me as Pulp Serial on Twitter, you can go to my website, pulpserialfilms.com, and then also I have a channel on Amazon Fire TV called Pulp Serial. So you can find me on The Gal Who Rants. And you can find me on Twitter, Tumblr, Pinterest, Instagram, basically any form of social media. So we're at theflix.co.uk where you can sort of get get our shows or most other platforms. And also on Twitter on at the Flix pod. Sentence you across the stormy 